Hello and welcome back to the J-Rod Sports Pod with me, Ollie Dix. And me, James Robson. This is the fourth episode of our quarantine catch-up series and today we'll be talking about the NBA, particularly the plans for return and what we might expect to see during the playoffs. Uh, so, Robson, the current NBA plan, uh, details being released as we go on, uh, day by day, what are we currently looking at for the NBA's return? So, we're going to be getting basketball coming back on the 31st of July. So there's going to be a cut, there's going to be like eight eight regular season seeding games that are going to start on the 31st of July and then the playoffs are going to start in earnest on the 18th of August. Um so they're going to they're going to happen in Disney World down in Florida uh, in Orlando. There was talk about getting all the NBA players down into uh, Vegas, but ESPN is owned by Disney and you know ESPN is the major uh, media partner of the NFL uh, of the NBA so that's why Disney World was decided you know it's a big enough it's got a massive amount of hotel rooms so they can fit everyone in there fine and and uh, it seemed like a good place to put it so yeah we're going to get basketball starting on the 31st of July um, and playoffs on the 18th we're going to get the round round two of the playoffs on the 1st September conference finals on the 15th and the finals are going to start on the 30th so we're going to be going like there's going to be back to back uh, it's going to be, I think it's like three games a day. Yeah. And every team is going to have one set of back-to-back games. So they're going to have, a, say, a game on a Monday and then a Tuesday. But other than that, everyone's going to have at least one day off in between. Yeah. And these games are, basically, there are, <clears throat> have been 22 teams invited to this hotel. Yeah. California Series NBA season. Uh, and... Basically, everybody's schedule carries on from what it was, but then you just take out the games that of the teams that aren't there anymore, and then you just fill that back in. Yeah, it's weird. the The NBA is sort of like really keen to say this is not a content a continuation of the regular season. Like this yeah. is its own thing. It's they're they're seeding games to get into the playoffs, but at the end of the day, the the record for the seeding games is going to be added to the record of the, play, of the <laughs> yeah. regular season. So in some teams. ways it's like worse off for some teams because they're playing regular season games against harder opponents. Oh, 100%. Yeah, especially for that uh, group. So uh, it'd be eight teams from each conference that make the playoffs. Uh, there have been... And it, there's an additional team, the, the Washington Wizard, invited in the East. And then I think four, five, five teams? Five teams in the West... Uh, additionally uh, invited to try and make that eighth seed and so for teams like those they're missing out on on those lower standard of teams that were below them uh, like in the Warriors. rankings <laughs> yeah um to so in fact like it, making the playoffs is now even harder than it originally was yeah and, and <clears throat> I, I mean it's it, it's also a bit rubbish for the teams that are in the eighth seed because you know you can't just scrape into this because the the way they're doing it is that if the ninth so they add the two records together so that the seeding games and the and the um, regular season. regular season yeah and if the ninth seed is within four games of the eighth seed there's then a two game play in sort of like a two game series where the ninth seed has to win both the games to knock the eight seed out of the playoffs. Yeah. If the eight seed wins one of those games, it's over. Yeah. But even still, like if you're in the if you're in the eight seed and you're like four games up on another team, like 
you've then got to think, oh, well, I'm not just getting into the playoffs. I've actually got to play these, you know, this ninth seed team twice. And that's only <clears> two <throat> days before or a yeah. day before the, the start of the playoffs. So you could be in for a pretty rubbish run into the playoffs, which is, I mean, it, it, it if we're looking at it and the people that are the teams that have come in yeah. and have been involved, like they, they're, you know, New Orleans is in there and they're, they've got Zion Williamson, who's a massive future star of the NBA. And so you look at it and you think, okay, well, they're probably trying to get him involved because they bring a massive market and a massive audience into the NBA. Yeah, I think as well, like you said about that four, like that four game difference, like just quickly, if you look at the West now, there are, the Grizzlies are 32 and 33 and then there's Portland, New Orleans and Sacramento that are all within four games of them so straight away you've got a like a massive like if you ended it now how would you even work that like yeah to, I th- to get to the point of like having an eighth seed i think what it is is it's going to be the ninth seed so you know the ninth seed if they're within four games it doesn't yeah. matter if the tenth seed or the eleventh seed is within four games it's just going to be um it what the ninth seed how is close it is already don't you? yeah i mean and it's really interesting to sort of it's going to be a really interesting style of like play to watch. Like it's, they're going to be pretty inexperienced. I mean, they, I mean, they're going back to training camps like a couple of weeks before, and they have to be down in Orlando like a week before. Yeah. But, I mean, in some ways, like the form book is out of the window. <laughs> yeah, it is, and and what's interesting to see how they've done it as well, because there were talks at times, obviously. Uh, the NCA's uh, March Madness was cancelled, and there were talks of them doing a like a full sixteen, just one seed, sixteenth seed, and like working it back through that, and like and going away from their traditional format of the NBA. Like, would you have rather seen a a one through sixteen, or do you think the traditional way is is would add something to? It? I mean, I think as as like a fan of entertaining but like entertaining basketball like a win or go home mentality to the playoffs where if it was like one game yeah like it would have been unreal yeah and it would have been so entertaining but i think the nba is also realizing that you know we'll probably get onto the fact you know we'll get onto mlb uh at some point yeah soon but like they're looking like they're a long way from coming back. If they're looking back. Yeah. And so it's it's the sort of thing that, like, right, well, the, M- the NBA is looking at the possibility of being the talk of town. For, exactly. For a while. And so, like, oh, well, why not string this out? I mean, I think for the basketball purists, this, is, this makes sense because it removes as much of the asterisk as possible of being like, this is so different to... I mean, it already is so different to the normal playoffs and stuff, but this removes the fact that it's like completely different I mean at least it follows the same vague format um, but um, yeah and we were looking at a pretty like surprisingly like I suppose the NFL like we said hadn't really had much conflict going up to it and running because we were in the off season during like this coronavirus period but and the NBA, what despite the disruption, hadn't really had much conflict like towards their decisions um, until like very recently when they come down to finalise all these decisions and there's a bit of a backlash that's started among yeah, the players. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think to sort of break that down into two, like I think Adam Silver, who's the NBA commissioner, 
very early on was like I'm not going to talk about what we're going to do until June yeah he was like I'm not even going to speculate or have a discussion like entertain a discussion we're not thinking about it we're locking down we're we're done you know we will wait and see what happens and wait and see what government guidelines and guidance is and then it sort of you know then they started to look and tease different things I mean I think there, there are sort of two sides of the conflict that's uh, and a fair amount of players are against coming back at the moment yeah. because of the way that the way that the plans are and there there are sort of two it's split in two as to why yeah uh, i mean there's the sort of the first side of it which is the logistical side it's like okay well what's it going to be like how's it going to how are we going to find living in orlando living out of a hotel because i mean you know the start if you're if you're in one of the teams that doesn't make the playoffs you're locked down for 40 days and if you're in a team that it goes all the way to the finals, you're locked down for 82 days, and that's like no no leaving the hotel, yeah. no going out to anywhere else. No, and I I know that we've kind of been in that situation already, but you've got to remember that these players have also been in that situation already. And if anyone asked most of us to go into lockdown for another three months, we'd be like, no way. Well, especially in a hotel where like <laughs> you're. Your freedom just is is limited uh, completely, and I think as well like those two camps of of why like what you spoke about is at the moment I think there's a bit of a fear with everything that's going on in the world that actually especially in America you take the focus away from the the human side of it all, which is like this uh, drive for change, which I think a lot of the players obviously are predominantly. Uh, african-american league you're looking at like people who feel very strongly about the movements that are currently going on and i think there are two again like two sides to that like actually (laughs) the u.s is a a basketball country at the moment and once this basketball comes back on everybody will watch it so you can either say that that takes the focus away or you can actually say this is an amazing opportunity for the entire country to have eyes on us and use this as a platform to encourage that change yeah i'm I'm kind of in this in the second camp and the fact that like actually i think i mean yeah in some ways what when you're playing basketball as of july the 31st and you know then suddenly you are the center of the world's attention and if they use this i mean i think there are a lot of players that can use this platform that they will get from being in the playoffs and just being, media every day being exactly. there <clears throat> and, and and the fact that there is essentially for them no distraction from basketball and whatever they want their message yeah. to be so i think it i think it's a really interesting um interesting thing to look at i mean okay so let's talk i mean let's talk about the sort of players that have come out and said um that they want to they're they're reluctant to return to play because of uh, the social justice issues. I mean, that's... Kyrie Irving has led that. Yeah. Uh, he was on a conference call the other day with 80 NBA players, but who else has sort of been involved in that in that side of the reluctance? Well, I suppose, like, you look at... Um, I know Austin Rivers came out and was more actually focused on the fact of, like, during a massive pandemic, is playing, like, basketball that important? Um, and that, I think that's, but that's less of the the side. I think Dwight Howard as well, like said, a sim, a sent a similar message to what 
Kari was saying was actually like we don't want the focus to be taken away from this movement and from this change that we're trying to uh, achieve and I think ultimately <laughs> you you turn around and, and Patrick Beverly hits it like the nail on the head and if LeBron James wants to play basketball now the NBA is going to play basketball now I think you're he he runs the league in almost a sense with with Adam Silver and and you're in a position where you know like he said if if King James says he's hooping we all hooping <laughs> yeah I mean I think and I, the other thing I think <laughs> is that you know if that means that LeBron James is sort of comfortable with the fact that they can use this opportunity of being at the center of you know yeah, world yeah. media attention to bring the correct and just um attention to the issues that they want to and and I think that's so I'm I'm hopeful that we will get a full roster of basketball yeah. stars sort of back playing because it's in 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 very different fashion to what we were talking about with the NBA at uh, the NFL this if you like this is the sharp end of the season now and this is where you know massive massive games are going to be played and if we can get the full complement of the stars in there it's going to make for unbelievably entertaining basketball yeah. i mean like two notes on that i'd say is uh, like one i don't think kyrie has said that he will play as in due to injuries yeah so i don't like that's i think a lot of players are a bit like look you're not even going to be there if you don't want to be there so like don't take this away from like the rest of us but the um, nets the nets are involved yeah so it's oh, not yeah. it's not sort of out of the realm of possibility that he would go to support but but then also i think once they say they're playing i think it was dwight howard that came out and was like look i have these opinions but if you say we're playing then i'm gonna go and play so i think it is just a matter of making sure almost with this this conflict like making sure that the message like basketball doesn't take the message away from what's being said at the moment yeah okay and let's and then let's have a look at sort of the life in Orlando and the life that players <laughs> are sort of like looking to expect because yeah. that you know that's something that we're able to provide a bit more of an insight into and a bit more of a sort of athlete's viewpoint on the fact that like it's going to be a pretty restricted lifestyle down there yeah very I think like you're almost looking at an environment that is full lockdown mode like I think like UK at the moment is kind of somewhere in between um, and I don't think there's like massive everyone's taking the same message seriously um, and in the US they've kind of been on you know distance restrictions for quite a while now and just kind of felt like they're accepting that COVID-19 is going to be a part of their lives for a while so we'll just accept that whereas at the hotel it, it is like you've we've seen that MLS is already there and, and they've got restrictions that are quite severe in place yeah so they're starting back they're starting a 54 game sort of World Cup style tournament yeah. on the 8th of July and some of the stuff has come out you know about the conditions that they're being told that they're going to have to sort of live through you know no congregating at all within hotels you essentially come out of your hotel room go to training come back go to a match come back stay in your hotel you can have three meals a day delivered to your hotel room and, and there's social distancing within so it's like one person in an elevator like that kind of complete neuroticism is going to be like spread through 
through the whole thing and and i think it's it's interesting that the mls has been like let's be first out of the gate yeah i don't know if the guidelines the guidances and, and the rules are going to have relaxed any more before the 31st but i mean it's hard to it's hard to see that massive stars like lebron james are going to be there you know being like oh i guess it's fair enough i've got to have a hotel meal delivered to my room at breakfast lunch and dinner and sort of be fine with that i mean they understand their position as like you know we're here to play sports but we're also here to provide like an entertaining yeah um product for everyone and so that's our job but on the other hand like when you're being paid a couple of hundred million dollars is that a lifestyle you really want to be living yeah. as opposed to living at home and having your your chef cook up whatever I so i mean that's like the difference though like i think the mls i think a lot of people in america might argue actually might even be that fourth sport now instead of hockey it depends on your personal opinion but it's definitely trying to get itself there um and by being first out the gates they're not they're not hurting themselves no like putting themselves on tv for everybody to see like especially like you look at the premier league in the uk like three games a day or whatever and like there's no overlap so you can watch as much football as you can and i think the mls being as strict as they want to be like they don't want any kind of disruption in place like you've seen already like a bit off topic but the nfl has already started to have numerous uh accounts of coronavirus like cases and so and they've not even started full training back yet so i think like if the mls can have a successful tournament that's highly entertaining then they do themselves a lot of favor favors and if the nba can build on that then you're in a position where you're not really losing a lot yeah and the other thing that's going to link the sort of two, two causes of uh, of pause for the NBA's return is the the NBA are implementing a ten day quarantine if you leave the Disney World campus. So yeah. say um, any player felt particularly uh, strongly that they wanted to go and attend a certain protest or or an event, or I mean, a lot of them are very active within local government meeting with you know local uh senators and things like that if they wanted to do that they'd have to quarantine for 10 days on return and in a in a um in a tournament and a playoff series that's going to be done in sort of like a month and a half if you're missing 10 days that's sort of five games four games like yeah. that's a lot of basketball <clears> it's missing. almost a series yeah and so they it it they're going to have to figure out something around that or they're going to have to get sort of a decent level of comfort in the fact that like the players won't be leaving the campus and and that they know that when they come back they're going to have to stay in their rooms for 10 days which is going to be a pretty miserable experience yeah and so like obviously they have their implications in the hotel um and you know I th- we'll get on to uh baseball like on another episode but they're having a real struggle at the moment like battling between like the financial implications of of what their salary could actually end up being and so is there any nba like changes in their finances like obviously baseball they're looking at like pro rata kind of salaries so is there anything similar in the nba yeah so i mean as of uh, a couple of weeks into the lockdown the nba players have been taking a 25 percent pay cut um the the key thing is going to be in in what's what's known as the basketball related income which is what the nba calculates sort of salaries based off so um in the 
collective bargaining agreement that's in play at the moment, the players are entitled to between 49 and 51% of the basketball-related income of the NBA. And that it, it hits different stages at you know different levels of, of income. Yeah. So 2018-19, last season, they saw a basketball-related income of $8 billion. Dollars. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> so, the players' salaries this year, had it been played in full, no uh, disruptions at all, the players' salaries would have been four point one billion, which is yeah, just over fifty percent of the um, basketball-related income, the BRI. Yeah. So, if that comes down one billion dollars. The players, um, the players will lose it's almost like five hundred million. million. Yeah, which is twelve and a half percent of their overall salary. And the thing that's interesting is that's good. I mean, that basketball has these max contracts, which means the value that's thrown out for the max contracts is sort of projected based off the basketball-related income. So it's a percentage of this and that, and yeah. so and it's a very complicated sort of. Um, Formula, formula of how yeah. to get there so that is going to affect the, the, the top players as well as the bottom players um, so that's that's going to be interesting to see but again because a lot of the I mean there were 259 games left of the season um, and the season is 1,230 games long in total Yeah. so actually a lot of the basketball players that that's why this hasn't been an issue compared to baseball because baseball was about to start and so a lot of the basketball players have already got a lot of money this season and uh, you know they deserve the money that they get for playing all the games but you know I think on average most teams probably about had about 20 games left yeah so out of like an 82 game season like you're looking at what that is three quarters of your season was already done yeah and so yeah like you said that that money is already pretty much like in the bank a little bit and they are looking at losing I mean the NBA is sort of looking at losing about a billion dollars based off this the each game produces um, 2.2 2.3 million dollars in like gate and arena fees and yeah. things like that like revenue from tickets from uh, concessions boxes things like that so with the 259 games that have just been scrapped You've lo- there. You've lost five hundred seventy-five million dollars, just completely gone. You know. Then, since two thousand and three, when the expanded playoff schedule came into play, and there were seven game series added, uh, we've had eighty-three games on average since then. Based on all the numbers that have come out from the NBA, that's three point two five million dollars per game yeah. per playoff game that's being lost out on the same sort of gate receipts and related revenue. So that's another two hundred seventy-five million dollars. So that's, I mean. Just by not having fans in the stadium, you you can see very quickly how the basketball-related income is going to go down by probably about a billion. Yeah, and I think as well, like you, the NBA as a company or as an organization loses out financially because there are no fans. But actually, it, without the fans being there, it completely changes the potential of the basketball game. Like you, you look at actually like you look at some home records and that's just because actually there are some places to go that you like are so hard to play at yeah they're so hostile yeah create such an environment that you're almost losing before you've even started and whereas in Orlando like it's just going to be almost like 
off-season games between like the top players in the country and or in the world um <clears throat> and yeah and so i think that's such a an interesting thing that's going to occur and actually we have no idea what it's going to be like yeah uh, that i mean and that's <clears throat> it is going to be completely unlike anything that we've seen before and the fact that like there are going to be as you said no fans there's going to be no, almost no environment so it's like will the basketball flourish in like a an environment where pure basketball it's yeah it's nothing I mean it's literally like a training game for these guys except millions and millions of dollars are on the line and incentives and things like that I think the other one thing I want to say about the financial side of it is is that the league doesn't want to lose money the league doesn't like losing money and so it will try and claw back that money in in years to come and that means that the salary cap is going to go down that means that you know the luxury tax is going to go down. There are things that the league are going to do to try and claw back the money they've lost here. And they they don't really care if the players lose money as well. And they don't really care if the players lose money in the process of that happening. Yeah. They're going to try and make sure uh, that the billionaires get their money back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for the return of the NBA. Like, I think it's, it's a really... If you remove all of the players, all of the teams, everything everything that's involved in there at the moment, just look at the pure structure of it. It's really exciting. Yeah, like hundred percent. And then it's only going to get more exciting when you look at the teams that we got coming back yeah. and things like that, which we'll look at in the next episode. It's going to be so much fun to watch wall to wall basketball all of August and September when not really much else is happening. Yeah, no. Um, I love basketball, but this is just going to be elite. Like I think, uh, with a rest period like they've had, like to come back and then play playoff basketball, I think everyone's been going to be going at a hundred percent. You're very rarely going into games with like many injuries or anything like that, and that's just super exciting. So. Right, so Ollie, we recorded the conversation that we had about the NBA a couple of days ago, and since then, the NBA have released the 113-page document outlining what life is going to be like in Orlando. So you've had a chance to properly sort of go through that and dig a bit deeper. Yeah. So there are three hotels that the NBA has booked out, and they've decided to split uh, split the hotels based on the sort of seedings after the regular season. So let's go through that. So the Grand Destino is the first hotel, so who's going to be staying in there? That's the the top four teams in each conference. So uh, in the East, you've got the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Heat. And then in the West, you've got the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Jazz. Um, And even in those, like, eight-seeding games that they've got, like, teams won't swap hotels depending on these rankings. Like, this is their hotel for the foreseeable future. Okay, and do we know if, say, a team that's in the third hotel makes it all the way to the finals? Are they going to stay in that third hotel? Or are uh, they- there's been no like confirmation of anything like like that so far, but you would have thought that they'd they. I think what their plan is is that once teams start to go home, then they might start to spread people out a little bit more, and and that helps. But yeah. Okay, and then the Grand Floridian is the second one. Yeah, and that's like teams four to eight, uh, five to eight. So in the West, you've got the Thunder, the Rockets, uh, the Mavs and the Grizzlies. And in the East, you've got the 76ers, the Pacers, uh, the Nets and the Magic. 
and the last one is the the yacht club which yeah. sounds like the nicest one <laughs> but looking at who's in there i don't not sure whether it is the nicest no though, so. no and that that's your teams like we spoke about the uh the wizards from the east and then and then your five teams from the west that are, that are looking to get into that one to eight seeding okay and, and i mean it won't be i mean it probably wasn't spelled out that obviously in in the the document that was released but is it literally going to be like the the top four seeds in each conference have got a way nicer gig and you know they're in lovely lush hotel rooms and the other one i mean the way that i'm expecting it is like you've got like luxury hotels for the top guys and then the guys <laughs> in the bottom are almost in like a youth hostel hotel yeah it's not uh, quite like that is it well i mean they said the grandestino was opened in july 2019 so that's as pretty new as you get whereas the grand floridian was built in 1988 now whilst it's had some renovations obviously and it's modernized you can obviously expect there'll be a little bit of difference and maybe there is some uh yeah some payback for a good regular season yeah <laughs> yeah um okay let's so let's talk about the fans and what what was sort of written in this so who is going to be able to watch the matches and watch the games and who who you know are, are there, is anyone outside the bubble going to be allowed in no fans the NBA has come out and said no fans and they've even said for the 2020-2021 season they're still looking at a potential to start off with no fans with that like you could be looking at stadiums allowing like 5,000 maybe 8,000 in the bigger ones but you're not looking at any for that season and they're definitely not looking at any fans uh, in this Orlando bubble what they have said though is if players from other teams are not playing or are not practicing or prepping or whatever, they can go and watch. So, you know, like you could have what, just any game and, you know, all your stars could go and watch and join up and just watch their mates, I suppose, just play. That's going to be pretty epic, especially if they have like play in tournaments for the West. Like you're going to have yeah, yeah. half of the lads from the East just sat in the, sat in the stands <laughs> watching those play in tournaments. I think as well, like, and ninth seed. it adds a unique perspective to like scouting. Most teams know everything, but actually, if as a player you can sit behind a bench and literally just listen, then why would you not? Yeah. Okay, and let's talk about the sort of bubble as it, uh, you know as it is now. So, anyone who's entering the bubble has to quarantine for forty-eight hours and has to have a negative test. That's specifically as well for. Uh, I think it's just before the uh, conference semi-finals start families and friends or like guests of players can move into the bubble um, okay. and so that's specifically for them to make sure that they're not just going to bring a load of virus into the bubble okay right and then anyone any player who decides to leave what's their protocol coming back there are like extenuating circumstances for certain players that perhaps if they feel strongly that they need to go and say march or actually family emergencies that they would normally be able to get away for they will particularly follow that 48 hours um, but with the players it's, it's more strict so for example if a player tests positive they have to quarantine for 10 days and then produce two negative tests before they can rejoin so it's a bit more strict when it comes to them okay and everyone in the bubble will be tested every evening and will get results the following morning every yeah so like from seven all players will know if they're allowed to basically go out and function for that day and if not then they, you know they start their quarantine okay 
So that's that, like that's how that's how the sort of bubble is going to operate. Now they're going to be having individual team training camps in their own facilities, and then they're all going to move down to Orlando. Basically, yeah. What's gonna What's the look before the thirty first of July? That how are we going to get into games? So, <clears throat> so you're probably looking at like a lot of gradual increments like to make sure that there comes a point where everyone can be together but actually like to start off you are looking at like hotels you are staying in your hotel like they're not wanting any interaction with any other hotels to start off with and that's when you'll have like your team training camps in Orlando and everyone stays separate you then start to interact a bit more so they'll have uh scrimmages with other teams each team will have three scrimmages against other teams um, and then after that begins then pl- players from all hotels can start interacting with each other um, so then sort of the, the bubble it, it's like three go, separate yeah, three bubbles. individual bubbles to one, one bigger bubble. bubble okay that's so and that means that they're going to be in Orlando for a week or two yeah before they start sort of it's like a week or so like just to get everything quarantine sorted so that players are there not much basketball will take place then like two weeks of team basketball and then like you start your kind of mini matches before the seeding games begin and am I right in saying they've got a tip line yeah so what caused a lot of attention on social media is like the NBA have installed an anonymous hotline where anyone can report others for perhaps breaking these rules because they are strict rules and there's a lot of potential for things to go wrong so if me and you are there and and you see me not walking around with a face mask on or actually when I'm not supposed to be interacting with other players doing that and I think the big thing as well is that you are not allowed I couldn't go into your hotel room like the hotel rooms that we have that's like your sacred place like that's your hotel room there's there's no sharing of any kind of that okay so there's a there's a level of self policing in there yeah a lot of so especially whether with that like the disney staff that are there as well that you know you could that's potentially where more of your hotline stuff will come from yeah okay so whether that works is going to be a sort of interesting thing to see and whether that actually gets used yeah it'd be interesting how much of it is true as well yeah <laughs> and i mean the things i mean as you said the, the this tip line is this hotline has sort of grabbed the attention of social media the thing that i've seen has been the sort of fun things that the nba has put on to entertain the players around around practices and around games so what what kind of things are the nba looking to put in there? i mean the nba going to disney in Orlando have created their own town basically the players will have a means for pretty much everything they can go to the barbers I have seen pictures of like LeBron's feet they're not good so he can go to manicurists so like they'll have lounges for video games to DJ sets and movie screenings but the big thing there is that actually they still have to keep their social distancing so the big thing that they've come out and said is no doubles ping pong (laughs) <laughs> so like and so it sounds ridiculous and it's a bit funny as well but actually that's how serious the guidelines are like they don't want players that close to each other if they don't have to be 
um, and and yeah, and so like we said earlier, they can also uh, go to potentially some outdoor activities. So actually, you know, like we watched on the last dance, MJ could go play golf. If he was there right now in Orlando, he could go do that as well. So he'd just be taking he'd be taking millions <laughs> off the people that he'd be playing. Oh, I, don't yeah, know. I never day. saw him play a good shot, but that's um, all part of his plan. <laughs> but so like that's what they can do. Um, and the important thing as well is like the NBA have come out and said like they'll try and change the way that players prep and play as well. So no licking of fingers or hands. You know, people do it for a bit of grip or to get like a nice feeling with the ball. They really want to limit that amount of like hand to mouth touching. Um, so they've said that face masks must be worn at all times unless you're eating or practicing. So, Okay, and the last thing that I've got is say a player tests positive yeah. and they're out for that 10 days that they're going to be quarantined. Yeah. How is that going to affect the team? I mean, in, so teams are allowed to take... Uh, 17 guys there 13 guys that are active two inactives and then potentially two guys that they could bring in if you know four or five players start contracting the virus from their team Um, and with that teams will be allowed to replace a player so say we're on the same team I get the virus I'm out for 10 days you're an inactive or you're an, an unsigned free agent as whatever team we could come and sign you and you could play but that would be the end for me they i wouldn't then be allowed to be invited back in and start playing again okay so if you are tested positive and you're replaced by someone yeah then you're not allowed you're not allowed back like done yeah wow okay so that really could so if someone goes down in the seeding games like if you're if you are that that nine to 13 group in the west and actually you're looking at someone going down then the free agents like jamal crawford demarcus cousins players that should be in the nba that aren't because of whatever reason jr smith then actually they're players that can be brought in and and as long as they test positive in that 48 hour quarantine when they first get in there then uh test negative sorry um then they're good to go all right so that gives us a bit of a bit of a better look at how things are going to be down in Orlando so uh yeah I mean like like we said at the end of, of the conversation we had the other day like in some ways the more information we get the more excited we get yeah, about it coming and, back and I've never been so excited to look through 113 pages of like health and safety guidelines and information so yeah it's, it's really exciting and July the 31st or 30th will come around very soon Thank you for listening to this episode of the J-Rod Sports Pod. Hopefully you've learned a little bit about what things are going to look like in Orlando and how basketball as a sport is going to be impacted by the COVID-19 lockdown. Next episode we're going to be talking about which teams are going to be down in Orlando, who's going to be playing well and who we think might struggle with the new format. So make sure you join us. But before then, please make sure you subscribe, follow us on social media and let us know if there's anything else you want to hear.